You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. Come with your family. Come with your friends. That's the Rocky Point tradition. Cause it's summertime again. Rocky Point. It's so exciting. Rocky Point. Where you can come alive. Rocky Point. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. My name is Scott Nerney. I grew up in Warwick and have been a homeowner for over 30 years in our lovely city. My goal with this podcast is to highlight what is special about Warwick and how you can get the most from our seaside community. This podcast is presented by the Varnum Military Museum, located just over the border in East Greenwich. Patrick and his staff have a fantastic museum, I must see a lot of information about Rhode Island residents, especially Warwick residents. Please, when you stop by, go on their Facebook page. Thank them for supporting our podcast. Our guest today is George LaCrosse. He is the editor of Laugh in the Dark website, has spent many years in the publication field, including the Journal, the Sun Chronicle, uh, numerous websites talking about amusement parks, fun houses, haunted houses, and nostalgia about amusement parks. And we asked him back to talk a little bit about Rocky Point and one of our favorite subjects in the concert series that they used to put on there. And George, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Scott. I'm happy to be here. So, George, one of the things that people back in the well, 60s, 70s, 80s for sure, uh, a little beyond that, remember was you know, the, the one pay one price Rocky Point rides and all the different rides that came in over the years, chowder and clam cakes, but concerts were a huge part of Rocky Point. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I only got to see one. Uh, uh, that was the Cowsells on uh, June 6th, uh, 1969 in the Palladium. But um, I've done some research into it. And uh, of course, you know, during, you know, my lifetime, I, you know, read in the paper about some of the um, concerts and some of the uh, repercussions after them and so forth. But uh, my research shows that um, one of the big headliners uh, at the Palladium was Patti Page in 1952, and uh, she was a very popular female singer at that time. She was coming off her hit called the Tennessee Waltz. If you want to Google it or look it up on YouTube, um, this is this is two years before I was born, but um, I found a lot of old uh, newspaper ads at the Providence Journal when I was working there showing uh, them heavily promoting that in the entertainment section. And was uh, Rocky Point, I guess, was a bit of a competitor to the Warwick Musical Theater. See, that, that, that could be. Maybe for some of the lesser hard rock acts. Sure. But Mike's, I don't know, I could be wrong. My experience has been uh, that the Warwick Music, the tent, and then, the, of course, the theater, never really had uh, people like Blue Oyster Cult or uh, ACDC, you know. Mm. I mean, I, I went to some concerts there. I saw the Monkees and I saw uh, the Grassroots and some of the, uh, you know, um, and Three Dog Night, uh, some of the, uh, you know, so, uh, I, I guess uh, medium pop groups. Right. But they, 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 like Rocky Point had a history of some really cutting-edge acts and, uh, you know, some pretty loud uh, venues. And they had a lot of acts that were not well known at the time. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, 
Let's see. Like someone like I, I'm not sure, sure that uh, Wid L. Yankovic was really that well known when he appeared there. No, uh, barely. You know, and uh, he was there, and uh, the Oddbirds uh, were actually there in 1967, August 27th, 1967. They played on the stage, and they had uh, Jimmy Page playing lead guitar for them at that time. And short time later, Jimmy joined uh, the uh, Led Zeppelin. You know, so I don't recall i mean i i remember as a kid knowing they were there but not really knowing much about them they really had just a couple hit singles and they weren't really that well known in the mainstream and i know when i worked there uh in park security it was typically friday night that they would have concerts but when i was looking at some of the past playbills for example on a monday night in august late august 1978 they had a lineup of REO Speedwagon, ACDC, Blue Oyster Cult, and Thin Lizzy all playing on the same night. Just imagine how many you know, future hits there are coming out of that. When you look at the playlists, which are online, the typical playlist that they had at the time, each band had one or two hits, but they were occupying seven or eight songs, and then they move on to someone else. So you got to see a lot of the future at the Rocky Point. Absolutely, and uh, as a lot of people probably know, uh, uh, Janis Joplin played there in 1968, and uh, I, I guess she was somewhat well-known back then, but not completely mainstream, you know, yeah. like, uh, say, Madonna, you know, was not her prime, but uh, that's, that's quite the, you know, that's quite the uh, accomplishment for Rocky Point, booking someone like her, went on to be so you know so prolific before she passed away yeah and what they would do on friday nights they would they would hint to people who didn't want to be part of the concert scene to leave the park by about five o'clock which was common people would show up at 10 in the morning and you know go home for dinner so you'd get a complete second entry of people coming into the park and the parking lots would jam up they'd have some traffic jams and issues with that with some of the bigger acts that would occupy the stage. And they had a tiny little bandstand-type thing that was over uh, sort of in the far towards the water side of the park, over near the, the rocket ships, I guess, is the best word for it. And they sort of outgrew that area, didn't they? Yeah. Um, actually, uh, from what my research shows that uh, right after the uh, ACDC concert on uh, August 25th, 1978, they um, decided they were going to build an, a bigger stage uh, that would be accessible to more uh, electric power because ACDC, uh, they had three power outages during that concert. And also, as you, as you mentioned, that Midway, the original Midway stage was a, a nice location, you know, for small, small venues, um, but it was crammed in near the in back of the Skyliner loading platform, uh, near the House of Horrors in, in the concession stand next to that, and right, right on the other side flanking it would be the Rotojets. So there wasn't a lot of room um, for you to stand up and watch a venue, and that, that became, I guess, a really problem or big problem with ACDC, people trying to cram into that you know, one area to see them play. And uh, so they did go to a bigger stage. They moved the Music Express ride in, um, to a different location on the Midway and built a bigger stage that was accessible to uh, more amperage. I, I do know that a lot of folks, you know, not like if you go to the Civic Center and there's a, a concert playing 
you can't hear it outside for the most part, but at Rocky Point, you could, and there were folks that I used to see when I worked there, would just drive to the park a lot, have a little tailgate, and listen to the music from outside the park, which was kind of like a lot louder than a radio, but the music would carry quite a bit on that water as well. Yeah, I could see, I could, I could, undis- I could see where that would happen. I mean, I suppose people that had boats, like small boats, would actually anchor them probably out there too, even though the stage would have been to their... Uh, the backs of the musicians would have been to the to the the bay. Mm. I'm sure they would have got some carryover sound there. Yeah, well, the little cottages that they used to rent out behind the ball fields, which were facing the speakers and downhill. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. That that would have been quite the bonus for them. But uh, I don't know. Like um, I had, I was working at the Providence Journal, um, you know, during uh, the 80s and 90s and early uh, 2000s. And uh, I remember the the issue with the big uh, with the Blue Oyster Cult uh, concert on uh, June uh, of 1984. Uh, the traffic, I guess they were. It was actually in the Palladium. It was supposed to be in the Palladium, I think, and they had sold over uh, 14,000 tickets. Now I don't know. I mean, I was in the Palladium a couple times. I I don't know if it would really hold 14,000. You probably know better than me. Yeah, I but, don't I don't see it happening. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the, I'm, the details a little sketchy as far as that goes. But maybe they ended up ha- putting them on the stage. But regardless, uh, there was a massive traffic backup. You know, I had some of my coworkers that lived in Cranston and you know Warwick around, you know the Warwick Avenue area close to Cranston, saying that they were hung up and just trying to go to CVS, and they mm. were hung up in traffic that went all the way back there. So uh, the management and ownership of the park came under a lot of fire uh, uh, after that, and they made they you know had to make changes, obviously. But uh, I, I hope the concert was good. You know, yeah. you know they got some some good music, Blue Oyster Cult. So hopefully they, you know, hopefully the the people that got there were entertained. You know. Well, I can tell you, I saw them in Ohio in 1985, and uh, they were playing good back then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I looked at some of the years, and there's a lot of this online, folks. If you want to take a look at some of the concert series uh, history, you can Google it as well. I happened to pull one year for 1994. They had Room Full of Blues, who's still kind of playing these days. You had mentioned Weird Al Yankovic. He played that year as well. He's still out there playing. Weezer, who was a big band at the time. Robin Trower, who was big at the time. Peter Frampton. And the Scorpions, who are actually still out there touring as well. So you know that's almost 30 years ago. Uh, some of those acts are still touring, and, and they were relatively big at the time for a small little park. Yeah, and they had the Ramones, too. Um, uh, David Bettencourt, the producer of uh, the director of the uh, that Rocky Point movie, the first one that, that came out, um, I think he has some audio from just toward the, the end of that concert. I guess they actually performed inside the Palladium. It might have been during the... It was on October 11th, so that the park was probably closed by, you know, Midway was probably closed by then. So, yeah. And he just caught the very end of it, you know, and said, thank you and good night, you know. So <laughs> it's too bad because so that, um, you know, they were still pretty hot back in 1991, you know. So that would have been, been a pretty cool thing to see if your eardrums would survive it, you know. Yeah, so folks, uh, you can always send uh, information to uh, Rocky Point Remembered on Facebook or 
the email on our podcast at uh, warwicklife at gmail.com. If you have pictures of concerts or Rocky Point memorabilia, uh, drop a note to those places, and we will definitely be happy to share it out on the Facebook page that George runs for Rocky Point Remembered. And uh, everybody who kind of participates will get to share it with all the other folks out there and have some fantastic memories. George, I want to thank you for stopping by. Uh, it is always a pleasure to spend some time with you talking about the history of one of our famous cultural history uh, amusement parks in the area. Uh, and thanks for supporting the podcast. It was my pleasure, Scott. That wraps up another edition of Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. If you have any comments, content suggestions, or questions, drop us a line at warwicklife at gmail.com. Thank you to Tester Manuelian for our lead-in and closing music. She's a music major with an incredible career ahead of her. See you next time. You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.